0: this is the life and soul podcast by me emma forbes this year has really been a year amidst the madness we've all had a time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life i want to find out from some brilliant people what makes them tick asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul i find out whether priorities have changed whether they've stopped striving to do everything right here right now so join me for this episode of the life and soul podcast and I'm so thrilled today to have as my guest, Catherine Jenkins. Catherine, thank you because I know you've got the busiest schedule ever right now. So thank you for taking time out to chat to me.
1: Oh, my pleasure. It's lovely to talk to you. I've missed
0: you. <laughs> Last time we met, I was thinking about it. We were we were eating vegan ice cream together in quite large quantity, I think on my part. And, <laughs> and life seemed, well normal for want of a better word and since I last saw you which was kind of last summer it's like the world has gone mad and I know you turned 40 in lockdown so happy yeah. big birthday but I suspect big very small birthday I know you had a vegan cake and a glass of champagne but that was about it
1: <laughs> yeah I did we were actually meant to be um going away on a trip to on a trip to Greece with the family and having friends meet us there and so all of that's kind of been pushed back to next year hopefully but I still had a really lovely day it just obviously what anybody that had a big birthday in lockdown it wasn't quite what you imagined but I had a fabulous uh, time but yeah I think that that's what matters and
0: I think that lockdown as
1: lockdown how has it been
0: for you I mean I know you're working really hard but I mean it's still different for you to not be you know in front of audiences and with people physically I know I mean gosh you made me cry so much in April when you did the we'll meet again with Dame Virulin. literally I could it gives me
1: chills mm-hmm. but it must have been such an extraordinary way to film and everything yeah I mean it's been um a strange time I think for all all performers all of my concerts I was meant to be in you know Australia New Zealand Japan uh, America it's, you know everything's been pushed to, to 2021 and 22 I think that kind of the juggle, you know, Andrew and I, my, my husband, you know, one yeah. of us is always with the kids and the other one's either on a film set or touring or whatever. So it was really like a new experience of us being in the same house for consecutive nights. Yes. We haven't had that. And that was lovely, but managing the, managing work and the children being in the house 24 seven and homeschooling and all of that juggle and trying to go out and do performances like, the um, sort of behind closed doors thing at the Royal Albert Hall. It's been a, a, a juggle to keep all the plates up in the air. But, you know, it's also been amazing in that I've had this time with my family that I wouldn't normally have had and I've absolutely loved it. It's been amazing to have, the, you know, to be with my children all of the time.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably what, what, what a lot of people have felt. It's been the juggle, but then you've had sort of stolen time in a way. I mean, I'm the same. You know, we've all been with our partners more than anybody's ever been. And everybody says it slightly with trepidation, but it's true. Very few partners are with them each other constantly, and your children, and the dog, and everything,
1: 24-7. It's a lot. It is a lot. In yeah. a good way. In, yeah, I mean, it's just an honest comment. You know, it's an honest thing. Like, we, we have... Oh, we, we lived when we first met we lived i was in london he was in america then when we finally started you know started to live together we were just always doing our own projects so it is a new thing and thankfully i came out of it thinking i really like my husband <laughs> really good choice you <laughs> exactly no well i love that and i and i'm glad that you've had
0: you know a good lockdown so far but i think honestly credit should be given because it's people like you that really gave everybody else such you know, at times of sort of, for me, like being nostalgic for England to watch you singing is always like a moment where I go, oh, this is incredible. But I think you kept people's spirit and morale going and NHS workers. And and I guess to be able to have that gift of giving back like that
1: probably helped, you know, you too. Definitely, you know, it's sort of all started. I, um, my mum had just slipped into the seventies bracket. So she was in that first age group being asked to, to shield. And my mum was widowed quite young and I just kept thinking of people like my mum who are on their own, potentially lonely and scared. And, and I said to my husband, I'm going to do a concert on Facebook tonight and I'm just going to see like what happens just for people like mum. And he said, yeah, you should do that. I really had no expectation of what how it would go but I was really surprised that we had like hundreds of thousands of people tuning in from around the world. And I sort of made a promise like, well, look, I I, I can't do what they do on the front line, but I can keep you company. I can sing you a few songs. So if you want, I'll sing for you every Saturday night that we're in lockdown. And I fully expected it to be a few weeks, (laughs) which actually turned into four months. (laughs) And I can't, of got bigger and bigger and you know that sort of every parent's fear of the child crashing the zoom call well my children were running in the back of my concerts my husband was being my sound man it was kind of like a very real take on what was going on in in our house and i'm so thankful because i think it gave me a bit of a a focus a, a reason to sort of you know work throughout the week in terms of like trying to craft a show that i hoped would be helpful but also think that our family loved this thing of like getting ready for a Saturday night concert so I'm very thankful that just it got us through it it was it's a really really lovely memory. I think it's fantastic because I think what what sort of
0: happened in Covid and I mean so much has happened in Covid but for me what it represented was was what's good about everybody because actually it's I associate coming to see you in really wonderful massive locations and huge audiences and actually to see a slice of somebody at home but still doing that it it's it's like sort of almost going back into the war era. I mean I'm not thinking of Dame Vera Lynn but it's that kind of spirit that keeps everybody together and her singing get everybody together and your singing gives everybody that sort of focus and a Saturday night it's like family entertainment let's sit down and watch it I thought it was you know incredible and so great and I know now you're working on this amazing new project are you able to tell me about it
1: Yes, I can. Um, so it's really was inspired by the lessons that I learned from doing the home concerts is that, you know, what I found was that people were coming together through the power of music. And even if they were split up from their families, you know, physically, they were actually coming together to watch the show and like make an event out of the show, watching it wherever they were online. So, um, you know, to, as we came towards the end of the summer and kind of reading all this stuff about a potential second wave in Europe. And are we going to get Christmas concerts? Are we going to be able to go to carol services? Are we even going to be able to see our family? I thought, right, I'm going to tackle this you know, head on and I'm going to try and bring Christmas to people wherever they are. So, you know, the idea was to film a feature film at the Royal Albert Hall. Which uh, we did a few weeks ago. It is literally Christmas on steroids. It is oh. full on festive fun, kind of that old school Hollywood nostalgia. I looked at a lot of the um, the Christmas specials of people like Judy Garland and Julie Andrews, and like I love all of that anyway. Yes. And so we yeah we created. Catherine Jenkins' Christmas Spectacular from the Royal Albert Hall, which will be coming to cinemas worldwide on December 1st and going to be out on DVD as well. And so, you've done, but you've done more than just the singing.
0: Like, you've sort of organised all of
1: this. Like, you're the producer, the, the running-around person, the everything. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a, a, a concept created by, by me. I've never produced or created anything like this before, which was just... Um, a completely different level of responsibility, which is quite scary. But I mean, ultimately it just came from the heart. Like I really felt like this year in particular, people need a boost. People are gonna need a lift at the end of a difficult year. Um, It's sort of an extension of, you know, my family at home entertaining people on on Facebook. And now this time it's us at the Albert Hall, um, you know, trying to include our friends, loads of musicians, just bringing all of the things about Christmas that I like to see, like the Nutcracker and community singing of carols and that kind of stuff, and all into, into one film.
0: I, I mean, you,
1: you, you're speaking,
0: I literally live for Christmas. I love everything. About <laughs> Me too. And as far as I'm concerned, as soon as it gets to October, I'm like, okay, I can start watching Christmas movies. And, and actually this year, I think I've thought, you know, maybe November the 1st isn't too early to start putting up decorations. <laughs> and I think it was such good timing on your part, because I know that, I mean, I don't even live in England now. But when I saw that headline of like, Christmas is cancelled, I was like, oh my God, I think that really struck home to people because I don't think anybody realized it was going to be going on that long. So I think your timing of it will be just so special and so lovely for everybody to just have that, to feel like it's possible and that we can feel festive. And even if we're not with loved ones, we can sort of watch together. It's given, I think, entertainment a whole different I guess a whole refresh. I'm sure people will go back to when, you know, if you were doing a Christmas special say in 2022, I'm sure you'll still carry elements of what you've done now into it. Because I think it really has sort of turned entertainment on its head a bit.
1: Yeah, it really has. And I think for us to be able to have had, um, you know, the Royal Albert Hall for the amount of time that we we had to make the movie, you know, we'll never get that. Please, God, we'll never get that again because the Albert Hall will always be fully, fully booked with, you know, full audiences. But as a result of that time, you know, we were able to showcase the Albert Hall in ways that, like, I I think will have never been seen before. I performed there a lot. So I was able to say to them, like, you know, there's that roof terrace. Can we go and film up on the roof? And can I film in the basement? And can we use that corridor? And so, it's not a concert, it's a kind of, it's a musical on the move and filmed in and around the hall. And I just think it will be really interesting for people to sort of get this, almost like this magical mystery tour around the Royal Albert Hall, because it, it's
0: just so spectacular. all the bits, it's such an iconic building, but it's all the bits that we haven't seen. And it is like, I mean, I have been behind the scenes there, but and it is like a little rabbit warren of play. Yeah. I didn't know they had a roof terrace and stuff like that. So that's incredible. I think, oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see that. It sounds a bizarre question, but I thought I'd ask it to you anyway, because obviously everybody's fear has been to catch COVID. Nobody wants to get it. But when you've got a voice like yours, you're you're always worried, I would presume, of being near anybody with a cold or flu. That must've added a different dimension of safety for you because the one thing you don't
1: want to get is anything like that. Yeah. um, I'm always very, very careful Anyway, I'm a little, you know, my family kind of refers to me as the germaphobe because I, you know, have the bottles of Purell strapped to every handbag. And, uh, you know, I-, I would wipe down my plane seat and anti back it and everything before I would sit. I'm- I've always been germ conscious because if I get a cold, I can't sing and it's just that straightforward. So I think that my, I was already quite trained and I sort of trained my children to be minded in that way, to be just aware of that kind of thing and to live in a certain way. But we've probably been even more careful. We've been quite sheltered in all of this just to protect us as a family, as well as my voice. If you don't uh, speak in between
0: performances. You, you rest your, understandably, you rest your voice. Do you have any other little things? I mean, I'll make you laugh. In, in lockdown, I suddenly decided that I was going to gargle with oil of oregano because, as you know, I'm very into alternative, you know, medicine and stuff like that. I started diluting it and it tastes vile, let me tell you. And I'd read somewhere that that would be amazing and keep my throat clear until I got masses of mouth ulcers. And then I I rang the doctor, I was like, I've got so many mouth ulcers. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I I don't know. I mean, I'm gargling with like oregano oil every night. She was like, Maybe stop that. <laughs> Maybe that's not a good thing to do. But I wondered if you had great tips on, like, do you gargle with things? Do you have honey and lemon with you at all times? Is there something sort of backstage next to you that you're doing? There's I'm a
1: really good tea um, called Throat Coat, which is uh, and why it's good, it has a property called slippery elm, which is a thing that th- that um, coats the vocal cords. So any kind of damage, if you're feeling like particularly hoarse, it recoats the cords, and I actually find that to be very useful. Um, I use manuka honey a lot, um, but the mistake that people use is they put it in water and that kills the, you don't want to put it in anything hot because it kills the antibacterial quality. So you always want to use that raw. I've done a lot of manuka honey in hot water with lemon. Does that just totally make it? Yeah, up- you may as well just use normal honey. <laughs> no, the, the best way to do it is to, is to take um, a, sp- a teaspoon and um, put it in your mouth and hold it in your mouth for as long as you can. So let it dissolve down your throat without actually swallowing it. Oh, that's great to do it. But Manuka honey is amazing. You know, I put it on burns and.
0: Yeah, actually, I had a wound um, on my leg from something during lockdown. I put Manuka honey all over. I mean, it's messy, but it is brilliant. It is a kind of. And I know that you're very into all of that because I know that you got really into nutrition when you had a friend who died very young and way before her time. And you became vegetarian and now vegan and do you find that easy to I mean we spoke about it
1: when we met for lunch it is quite easy to do now isn't it it's it's easier than it was yeah much easier now I'm happy to be you know I, I, I'm i not actually a vegan by choice um so I I gave up meat due to my friend and a solidarity thing um I found out I was allergic to dairy after having my daughter and then I uh, was recently tested for mercury and um, found that because I've been then eating a lot of fish, I sort of knocked my mercury levels up. So um, so I'm not really an official vegan in that I do eat egg, but I, I don't really want to be a fussy eater. I really enjoy food, but it's sort of like trying to now just make sure that I, you know, eat really well, that I learn how to how to, you know, sort of make sure that I'm feeding my body in the right way. But I definitely think it's much easier to do this in 2020 and not, you know, 1990, it would have been a disaster. It's definitely easier. And while we've got that great vegan ice cream you and I (laughs) had, I feel like life
0: will continue. Now, your husband is a, he produces movies. And I was reading this fun fact, which I loved because you made your movie debut. And I thought, well, that's great. You didn't just make a debut in your husband's film, which was all about the mercury poisoning. Funnily enough, you were talking about that in 1950s Japan. But you made it with Johnny Depp and Bill Nighy, potentially Bill Nighy, one of my all time favorite Christmas movie people, because he's in love, actually. You're going to make a movie
1: debut. That's definitely the right company to be in, I would say. Well, I actually kept kind of batting back the invitation to do it because Andrew kept telling me to, oh, come on, you should play the part of Millie. And I just was like, Andrew, I really don't know if I'm that good an actress to be in a role with. Bill Nighy and Johnny Depp I mean talk about throwing me in at the deep end but eventually I said yes because the story's really amazing it's a true story about a fishing village in Japan that was being poisoned by methylmercury and um, for like 20 years you know the government and the corporation knew about it and terrible birth defects happening and, and such within the community and it's a story about standing up for the little person and you know Speaking truth to power, and and so I was like, yeah, I do want to do the film. Just okay, I need to get over the confidence issues. I did it, and I actually really really enjoyed it. I mean, it's a very different experience to live music, but they were both really encouraging, and of course, I knew them because of my husband working with them for quite a long time in the in the run up to the to the uh, filming, and so. But they've been, both become, you know, friends, especially Bill. Bill's in the Christmas movie that we've just done. He's so amazing. And like, actually, I often tell Andrew this. I say, I-, I think I have a secret crush. He's just such a gorgeous gentleman. They have Just a real soft spot for Bill.
0: Oh, I've got such a crush on him. I just find him just, he's just, this. yes. I, I, now you've told me he's in that Christmas special, I could just cry. That's made it even better. <laughs> because again, another one of my go-to Christmas movies is Love Actually. And his I know, Love Actually. Just, it's just nectar, like you just go get better than that. And he's just brilliant. How bad? So do you think you would take the offer up again or was it something that you felt you did because you had the comfort of it being Andrew and people you knew? Or do you think that might be a way you go moving forwards? I think
1: it's opened my eyes to the possibility. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I would love to work with Andrew again. So maybe if it was one of Andrew's products, it would be a definite. But I think ultimately, as long as it's something that's, it'd have to be a, like a passion uh, project, a, a story that really interested me, or maybe a musical film, um, because I don't feel like that with the children there's enough time for all the music <laughs> stuff, and that has to come first.
0: Yeah, no, no, I totally, that juggling, I don't know how you do it, to be honest, I think you're pretty amazing the way you juggle everything like that. Well, I wanted to ask you just a few quick fire questions,
1: to see what you say, what gives you life? The children. The children. I, I think that they are just, they, um, they've made me want to be a better version of myself. And what feeds your soul? Music. Yeah. Yeah. And do you
0: have, and I know you
1: do things like yoga. I
0: know you, you know, fitness is really important and you're, you're, you know, very disciplined like that. Do you have a daily mantra in life or a like a, you know, a, a, a saying that you live by or something that's your
1: sort of go-to? Um. As a a sort of work ethic or a, you know, kind of friendship or relationship ethic is, it's never crowded on the extra mile. I think it's... I've never heard that. That's brilliant. It's always about kind of just going that extra bit further. And, but I also think that, you know, I lost my dad when I was 15. And I think that the sort of what that's taught me is that, you know, life is short and, you know, never let the sun go down on an argument. Just kind of always live for now because you never know what's around the corner. Well isn't that ever so true?
0: I mean I've never it's such an extraordinary time in the world. I mean and 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 I think that the fact that you've used it and it it is interesting for creative people. I really have seen that creative people have really used it so brilliantly in terms of like rethinking it and being out of the box and how to film things. And, you know, I watch um, that show in America that you probably live with Kelly and Ryan and they've managed to film it. So they're actually socially distanced, but on TV, it's like they're sitting together still. <laughs> and, and I'm still like slightly in that mode of like, Oh, it's magic. And it works. <laughs> so, so I, I, I think it's been, I think it will re, It will reinvent everything, I think, post all of this. But what's the one thing you're looking forward to after, I was gonna say after lockdown, after COVID, I don't know what we call it. I hate calling it the new normal because I don't think it's gonna be a new normal. I think it's just gonna be new. But what's the one thing, if I could say to you, okay, there's, there's one thing you haven't been able to do through this whole time, what would it be? Would it be to be in front of a live audience or something else?
1: Yeah, I mean, aside from actually spending time with the families, and my mum is in Wales and currently in lockdown, so we don't know when we're going to see her. Yes, uh, I would. I think it's that being in front of an audience. In that, you know, when we just filmed our, our our Christmas thing, you know, we were lucky we had we had an orchestra. But I'm so concerned about the state of musicians and the live music industry, and and thinking about how we're all going to sort of keep things ticking over because I deal with such talented people who are having to rethink whether they're going to become Amazon drivers and and that kind of thing these are so talented and also if they're not doing what they love how does that affect their mental well-being I think that the sooner we can all get out in front of an audience the better
0: well I know they had to take down that that ad which to be honest I thought was a joke and it was like you know retrain and I was like because, again, because when you're in America, well, you know what it's like, you're slightly removed from that. So I, somebody sent it and I thought, oh, that's not a very funny sort of social media meme. That's not a very funny. And they were like, no, no, this is what was put out. And I was like, oh my God, I'm sort of horrified by that because people can't reach out. It's what people love doing. And I think that I, I'm like you, I'm much more worried about people's mental health post this and how they pick themselves back up.
1: Yeah, it seemed, I, I also thought it was some kind of, Sick joke, and then I couldn't quite believe that they had put that out. It seemed really, um, you know, not thought through, just so, you know, so like on the nose of what is actually happening that I just can't believe that they would have put that out. But, you know, the government and everybody really needs to support the arts because times like this, we need the arts more than ever to get us through Um, and we're gonna lose a generation of incredibly talented people well, I was thinking about
0: that because although it wasn't a pandemic, but but again, you know, going back to sort of the war and when Dame Vera Lynn would go and entertain the troops, and and but the difference was is that you the arts were so important because everybody could gather together. Music was a huge thing of it. Following the last pandemic came the Roaring Twenties, which was all about dancing and music, and I just I'm sort of. I'm vaguely hanging on to that. I went through a very dark phase of the lockdown where I bought so many books on the previous pandemic to try and kind of go, is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And then I thought, why am I depressing myself? I've had to sort of slightly take myself away. I don't know whether you have been a stickler for always watching the news or whether you've had to slightly remove yourself. I guess you've been busy as well, which is a massive distraction, but did you find watching media helpful or did you just find it, you know,
1: I guess, a drip feed of fear, which is what I found it. Not helpful. I definitely started the first phase of the lockdown kind of feeling like I had to have the news on pretty much 24 seven and you know, had it, it was like the Oracle and then feeling like, actually this is just taking me down. I can't deal with this, it's just too overwhelming. So that now I'm kind of more removed from it and I kind of have a rule that I only put it on. I'll see one, one news, like 10 o'clock news or something like that and I'll watch it for a bit. I also put a bit of American news on, because um, we are an American-British family, and then kind of like switch off and try not to let it kind of overrun the day.
0: Yeah, because it can really, you know, I know I did exactly the same in the beginning, and I think it's partly because we all went in thinking, oh, it'll be a couple of weeks, and you know, and, and I was a bit like, well, maybe it's sort of like a weird holiday because I'm like you, I'm never normally with my husband twenty-four-seven, so we're like, well, this is a novelty, this is kind <laughs> of great and this work, and I watched it. Constantly. And then I had to make that decision too. And that's the the, the big thing I think that with a lot of people and when I've been interviewing people, they've had to do that because otherwise it's just, it's overkill. Yeah. But uh, going back to your Christmas special, I cannot wait for that. I'm so excited. I think it's so brilliant. I congratulate you on it. And I know I'm going to love it. I was thinking of like Bing Crosby's White Christmas, everything all rolled into one and Bill Nighy and you singing and other guests. And, and so I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your new producer role and curator of all things Christmas.
1: <laughs> Have you put out, has the Jenkins household got the Christmas decorations up yet or is it too early for that? It, it, it doesn't yet. However, I've already ordered my turkey yeah. and my daughter because actually the children are somewhat involved in the film that, you know, the concept is the night of the museum when we live at the Royal Albert Hall. Um, and so the children are running around in the, in, the, uh, in the aisles and the corridors and the boxes. And I think that they are so convinced that Christmas is, must be around the corner because <laughs> yes. they all the decorations there that Aaliyah wrote her Christmas uh, list to Santa. Just a few days ago. So here we are. Also, Catherine, you're gonna be quite hard
0: pressed to make your own home, however lovely it is, as as festive as the owl. You're gonna gonna really have to pull out the stops because they're gonna be but Mummy, like where are the twenty
1: five foot Christmas trees that we've had? Where are all those amazing garlands? I should have pinched some and bought them. I was going to say, you should have bought those. (laughs) (laughs) You did already Nip back and get them. Thank you so
0: much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I hope we, well, I hope we meet again soon. Yeah, me too. But stay safe and well in the meantime. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review and you can find out more by going to buyemma.co.